0: Hi everybody, welcome along to another episode of the How You Say It podcast with myself, Graham Cogar. On this week's episode, I sat down with Scottish comedian and actor Raymond Mairns. Raymond has well over 20 years of experience in walking on the stage, telling funny stories and being a comedian for a living. He's also been in two Ken Loach films, and this episode, I mean for me, it was uh, it was I think it's the most I've laughed in an episode, uh, a recording of this uh, of this podcast. But Raymond is a funny man; he has funny bones. Anything he says, and the way he tells a story, it just you just can't help but laugh at it. I do want to warn you that there will be strong language and adult themes in this podcast so uh, if this isn't your thing then I do apologize however one of Raymond's big things is being yourself and he believes that a lot of his success in comedy and in acting has come from being himself and and telling his truth on the stage to let the audience engage with him there's just so much that we talk about in this Um, you know how do you deal with setbacks how do you deal with hecklers how do you how do you build a story what is his his way of getting a joke to his audience how does he understand to build uh, how does he understand building a resilience with his audience there's so much to talk about in this and i really really enjoyed recording it i hope you enjoy listening to it too thank you so much as well to everybody who has listened and liked and shared and passed it on and given me great feedback it really really keeps me going this before putting this podcast episode out we reached a thousand downloads i don't think that's going to be enough for me to quit my day job and settle down and be a professional podcaster i don't think stephen bartlett from the diary of a ceo is going to be too worried about that but it's a thousand and it's a thousand more than i had before i started this podcast and i'm really 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 proud to uh, to be able to give you uh, an insight to these people as well and 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 to see people enjoying it and listening to it. So thank you again for everybody who has listened and 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 please keep do listening and if you do have anybody that you would like to recommend for me to interview or if you think to yourself I would actually like to be interviewed by Graham because you've got a story to say where you talk about communication and things like that then please put yourself forward I would I would love to do that. We've got lots lots more interviews to come but in the meantime please Sit back, relax and enjoy this absolute cracker of an interview with Scottish comedian and actor Raymond Mairns. I'm joined by Scottish comedian and actor Raymond Mairns. Raymond, how are you?
1: Yeah, good. I'm good, Graham. Nice to be here.
0: Well, thanks very much for joining me. Um, I (laughs) have interviewed quite a few different people from different backgrounds. We've had... uh, Football managers. We've had people in academia. We've had people who have worked in uh, politics, uh, communication. But I thought it'd be great to get a comedian and actor on because it's a it's a subject that really fascinates me. In all honesty, so thank you very much for coming on. And um, yeah, I just kind of want to start by just saying, how did you get into comedy? That's a good
1: question. Um, by accident, I suppose. Um, I. I went to uni. I went to university, and when I was at university, I uh, I played in a band. I am a guitar player. Mm-hmm. I had a band, and we we were terrible. We were the worst <laughs> band in the world. And I also I also did some I did some plays. I, I taught guitar in an arts project, and, and then I got a part in a play. And I started hanging about with all these mad actors, and they were the. <laughs> They were the wildest, most bizarre, weird, beautiful, wonderful group of people I've ever met in my life. They totally lit up everything you would be in the Probably you would be anywhere just talking to them. I'd never had conversations with people like this ever before in my life. And I I think it was at that point. So this would have been about 1989, 1990. I think about that point, I'd say, this is how I did. I want to be an actor. I, Mm -hmm. I want to hang about with actors. These people are free thinkers. They're no, you know, they're, they're no setting their ways. Or they were, they were anything but dull. They were, they were amazing, right? And so I, I would have been about 21, 22 at that time, and I thought this is a idea. I want to be an actor. So I just kind of followed that up. I did that for a couple of years and never get paid for it. It was just all sort of amateur theatre stuff mm-hmm. and all that with Stratford Theatre Group and um. And I was, I would, so I would basically go to parties and I'd play my guitar and I'd talk and tell jokes and blah, blah. And it was my first wife there, credit. She'd say, you're funny. People would pay you for that. And so I went and did an open spot in a, in a comedy club. And I didn't even know what I was doing, really. I mm-hmm. just, I made up this ridiculous five-minute set about Wallace Mercer, who used to be the chairman of Hearts, trying to shag Tessa Sanderson or something. <laughs> Right, like, it was ridiculous, but it worked, and they they invited me back and paid me twenty quid. That was amazing to me.
0: Yeah,
1: and then I got a, my third gig. They gave me thirty quid. I was amazed at this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then that's when it started, and I just had no idea what I was doing. I went back. I went on stage. I did my time. I just I just did it, and that was it. And, and eventually. You made
0: enough money to give up your your job. So I mean, I mean, you're you're obviously working at this point, right? So you're you're doing your you're doing your uh, acting and things as a bit of fun. You're you're singing in pubs, but you're you're telling the jokes, and then you you're starting to get some money now. It's not you know thirty pounds is great to be paid, but it's not life changing money. So you can't suddenly decide that's it. I'm done. But <laughs> I'm done. I'm, but <laughs> yeah. So I mean, see, when you're at work and things, did, or even when you were growing up, did you have what? Were, were you funny? Like were you, were you, were you the sort of person that liked to be holding court, telling stories, having a laugh and a joke and things like that?
1: No, I was ignored, completely ignored. In fact, if you if you met anybody that went to school with me, they wouldn't remember me. I was amongst men of no significance. I was insignificant. Really? Absolutely. So I was very bright at school. I was good at school.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I was I was worried out. But then again, most comedians are nerds anyway. Comedians are the alpha males, by the way. Comedians are just nerdy, well-educated, sexual inadequates. <laughs> <laughs> If I was an alpha male, I wouldn't be a comedian because I wouldn't need that. that I wouldn't. I would need that overcompensation.
0: It's <laughs> fascinating. I mean, I think this is what it is about about comedians that people find so so interesting because there you are. You could be on a stage, and your job is to make people laugh. And of course, that's what you feed off, isn't it? You feed off that need for for laughter. So when it comes to being funny, do you always feel? Do you feel? Pressure when you're off the stage, when you're not a comedian, when you're not the the, the funny man, to, to to still live up to a being being a funny person, or like, can you can you switch nah. between?
1: No, nah, I think I did used to, but I'm 55 years old now. I think I your perspective changes. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe years ago, maybe 20 years ago, uh, or something, or 15 years ago, because people kind of expect it, but no, no, it didn't bother me. I kind of. I'm kind of more comfortable in my own skin. I think these days. Mm-hmm. Certainly, as a, as when you're younger, I think you've got a lot more to prove, in you? And no, no new. No, I would say. I think, in fact, people. <laughs> I, think, I think when people meet me new, they go, "He's a comedian."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of, uh, I mean, when you started doing this, what age were you when you decided, right? I can give up the work-the-day job and really, really focus on... I was five
1: years old. It was 20 years ago. Right. 20 years ago, exactly. I I gave up my job in June 2003. And I had a good job, actually. Mm-hmm. I had a really good job. But the curious thing, I had actually, in, in about the year 2000, is that right? 2000? I had actually, 2000, 2001, I had actually decided to give up comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. I... Because I had a really good job, I worked for a company in Edinburgh, and I was the guy who did all the voice and data convergence. So my degree, I've got a business studies degree in specifically with a lot of IT and computer science sort of like modules, and I'm very, I, I was very technical at my job, and and it was a good job, but I thought, so I'll, I'll, I'll stay here. I'll give up comedy because it was kind of getting a bit too much. Mm-hmm because I was working quite a lot of hours and I'd actually phoned everybody up and said, don't book me anywhere, I'm retiring, I'm rubbish at this. And so what then happened was that the Jonglers organisation, they ran this competition in Edinburgh this the Jonglers New Act of the Year or some something, something like that. And, and that was one of the gigs I had in the book. So I'd made the decision in the June or something of, it was 2001 actually, uh, I made the decision in the June to give up comedy, but mm. I still had to go, because I had it in the diary, I went and done it, and I won it. <laughs> so, I mean, that was a total game changer. Yeah. I, I then, was basically given, for the next two years, I was given, gigs every single week. Wow. And, I started making about, 50,000 a year for comedy. Jesus.
0: So, I mean, so,
1: like... I'd, I'd never, i never made anywhere near that. Wow. So... And, so, so, I I I ran all over the country in my company car. By the way, man, my, <laughs> my boss paid the petrol, the tyres, the insurance, and and everything, right? And I'm driving to Leicester and Cardiff and all that to gigs. So by the by the June of two thousand and three, I was making more money for comedy than I was for my job. Wow, wow! And I I thought I'm going to get a job up, and I gave a job up, and that was it. I mean, that's... And as soon as I gave the job up, I got a part in in a Ken Loach movie. Mm-hmm. So, I I kinda decided as well that I was a terrible actor. I made a I made a short film in 1998, and it's it's called Home, and it was a Channel Four short film, and myself and my brother, we got a part in it as these blind twins. Because mm-hmm. my, my big brother, he and I. Although we were born in the same year, we're, we're, he, he was born in January, I was born in November. Mm-hmm. We look like twins, but we're no twins, but we, we look like it. And we get clocked one night and, and there's Boozer in the tune. This director was making this film, was looking for twins. I mean, she's wanting to make this film. So we made the film and it won Best Short Film at the BAFTAs in 1999. Wow. No, But I saw the film and I thought, well, a load of pish. And I watched it and I thought... <laughs> And I looked at my cell phone screen and I went, yeah, big, fat, ugly, twitching, ballbag, look at the state of that. And I decided then that that was shit and I was shit and I couldn't act. Right. So I never done anything acting-wise for five years. I left my job in June 2003. And as soon as, the same day I handed my notice in, I got a telephone call asking me to call Colleen Crawford, who was a casting director. Mm -hmm. For the film A Fond Kiss, He says, You want to come and meet Ken Loach? And I went and met him, and Ken Loach says, We're interested in putting you in a film. And I went, I'm a shite actor, I'm terrible. You sure? And, and we did this wee improvisation, and then they gave me a job. Wow. And they, I mean, and I made about 10,000 quid. And then because I gave my job up and had to give my company card back, I took the money and I bought a Skoda Octavia with it. <laughs>
0: So I mean, that's it's, it's incredible how these things can sometimes work out. But I mean, it's, I want to. What made you think that you weren't a good actor when you when you watched back that 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 first film that you did with your brother? Say that
1: again. What,
0: what was it that made you feel like you weren't a good actor when when you watched that film back with your brother? I'm I'm interested to see what. Well,
1: I don't look like a, I don't look like a film star, there. I? I? mean, much to me. So <laughs> I I have a very kind of a. It's been a comedian. You you got very negative self image. Hmm kind of thing how is that in any way compelling or anything I, I just I just did I just thought it was shit. I just thought it was terrible mm. and weirdly you, you I, I never really thought about it I mean for, for me it was like by the time Ken Loach came along and says we'll put you in this movie and I went sure I thought mm. I thought it was mental and I, 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 I did it and and I've made. I mean, you, you only need to look at go if you go on my website and look at my acting CV. That's a stop.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, <laughs> going going back to the comedy. Then you're talking about when you're still working. One of the biggest things I always see as a challenge for for a comedian would be to continuously keep writing material, writing, testing, and then doing showing up showing new material. And that must be. Whilst you're working full-time and then you're mentioned about travelling up and down the country, and I'm, you know, UK, not just Scotland, you're travelling up and down the UK, getting slots and sex. Yep. Uh, I mean, what's, how, t- how difficult is it to be able to find the time and what kind of space do you need when you're coming up with writing new material?
1: Well, I've never written anything in my life.
0: <laughs> right, okay. I've never
1: written anything in my life. So, I don't know how it happens. I don't know how I do it. I start up on stage and I tell tell people about something that happened to me that day or that week or something I was thinking about or something I'd read. I read a lot Mm -hmm. or something I've watched. I don't know. Or a conversation I had. I don't know. I've never written anything in my life.
0: Right. So, I mean, this is fascinating because... Everybody's different, I suppose, in terms of you'll have some some comedians that you'll have worked with who will be yeah, writing. Good ones. Right. Oh. <laughs> so, I, I mean, oh, like Frankie boy. So, 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 I mean, I, 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 would I be right in saying that no two sets of yours will be the same then? Of
1: course, it's the same. It's samey. I mean, you I mean, so what What I kind of do, I, all these routines I do, I, I do routines and I've got. Big anecdotes and set pieces and stories, but but they're all kind of drawn from my own life.
0: Mm.
1: So something will happen, and it's all true apart for the daft bit I make up at the end. Right. So that's how I do it. I don't know how it, other people sit and write. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I've got no idea.
0: So will you? Will you muse about things in your head? Then will you think about it?
1: constantly? Constantly. Right. My, I'm always. I have this constant buzzing internal dialogue right in my head which i've you you just it's who you are Mm -hmm. i don't know about other people but i never ever i I never switch
0: off right so you're constantly thinking and you're looking back or maybe even you've had an experience you maybe had much and you're going right
1: i analyze and overanalyze everything i my head my head, by the way, <laughs> that's a Scottish head. My head <laughs> often takes me for a walk, you know, and I just get used to being who I am and the way I'm. I can't explain it. If you're looking for the secret, after me. I, I don't know what, what it is.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that this is even more fascinating than finding out the secret. I mean, do, do you do you put yourself in a space then? So will you go for walks or have a have to have a space where you allow your head to come up with? No, where you wanted no, to go or do you just, I, I just it literally just, just happens
1: it's just there I, I, I don't walk well I, I walk around Edinburgh I know three days a week but yeah <laughs> you do,
0: do your walking tours because you do that. you do walking tours uh, in Edinburgh yeah, so, yeah. I mean and, yeah. And are these comedy walking tours or are they just walking tours with yeah we have a right?
1: bit of banter so yeah. the people who turn up we had we had five Americans on Monday and they were brilliant and they were well up for a wee bit of to and fro and a bit of banter it was brilliant yeah. Where are you from? What do you do? And just joshing each other. Brilliant. So you'll learn about the history of Edinburgh. I I mean, I put the work in, Mm -hmm. but there'll be a lot of jokes and, you know, a bit of crack, that sort of thing. That's what I do.
0: One of the things that I find, mm, sure. find I mean, one of the things I really find interesting about even just speaking to you just now, and I, I, I think, I, I don't know if I've mentioned already, but I, I heard you on the Some Laugh podcast, uh, which is a brilliant listen yep. for three Scottish comedians, young guys, similar age as myself, and it's a, it's a great listen And some of the guests that you got, so you were a guest on there. But one of the things I really love is, uh, you know, storytelling and the power of storytelling. And I think when, when I heard you talk, I mean, some of the stories that I've heard you on that podcast sharing, but... It sounds like you know you'd mentioned earlier on when you do anecdotes and things like that. Do you, you? You obviously now it'd be wrong for me to ask. Do you know what the structure of a good story actually is? But it just seems like you're able to to pull together a story and 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 make it make um, it funny.
1: Right. I think the making it funny is the gift that if, we're all born with certain gifts. I think there's a tiny wee bit of talent there, right. Mm-hmm. Um. The, how I do it, I think, is um, I'm present and it is, I'm there and I'm in the moment. And what I simply want to do, I think, is paint a picture for you, if you like. So I'll tell you about something and I'll tell you what I was thinking and how I was feeling. And I'll tell you the truth as I see it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the connection's made. I think people hear it, they go, <laughs> they go, maybe that did really happen. Mm-hmm. In, or, and, and what I'm what I suppose I'm doing is I'm I'm kind of laughing at my own ridiculousness, I suppose. I think that my understanding of what I do is is I I just show people how vulnerable and mental arm and and mm. what they do is they go, thank God, they think they, they, they listen to me and they go, thank God, I thought it was just me. Mm. See, I think we live in a culture, we live in a society where you're no really or it's no prescribed to be a good idea to, to be you know, afraid and mental. We've all got to be behave and be socially conditioned in a certain way and yeah, you know, God were farts and no swearing and all this sort of stuff, and I'm I'm pretty free that way. i if I want to fart I'll fart, mm-hmm. uh, and if I want to swear I'll swear, and I'm I'm, I'm very open that way. I, I don't know, and I think that's people only like that. I think they would like to be like that, but I don't think they'll allow themselves mm. because society says oh, get your teeth done, bleach your asshole. you know, just buy nice craze, buy a big motor, buy an American fridge, buy a house, buy a couch, buy a fucking telly, there you go and shut up and that's it. And I don't know, I've never been, what's the word, conventional.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, when you talk about vulnerability then, I mean, it, it is funny when you say about the vulnerability of standing in front of a group of people and expecting to... You know, you're you're literally wanting to get them to laugh at what you're saying. So I mean, there's nothing more, in my mind. There's nothing more about vulnerability than actually being in that position where there's a spotlight on you and a stage, and you've got to try and entertain a group of people for a set amount of time. But then, there's also the element that you can't show your vulnerability in that side of things. Of
1: course you can. Because you can, because absolutely, because then the, that because then that's the truth. I'll, I'll give yeah. you an example. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, let, let's turn it on its head. It's about truth and it's about you and it's about making a connection. Mm. And it's really simple. So if I stood up on stage, for instance, and I says, look at me, I'm shagging dozens of women. People go, no, you're no. Mm. It's obvious I'm no. Right. There's no way I'm a Lothario. I couldn't lure a woman out of burning building. And people <laughs> know that. Right. Now, if I stood up and said I was, they go, it's not true. Yeah. It's incongruous. They look at me. And, and they hear me and they go, no, that doesn't match. That mm. doesn't fit. So what, what people do is, this is what I think. I, I don't know. This is what I think I've observed in some instances. I think people set out to be a certain thing to certain people. I think there's, they set out to show the world what they want the world to see. Yeah. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine for them. But all art, and by the way, I use the term... Quite loosely, comedy is an art, it's a craft. Yeah, right? yeah. Whether it's be a great book or a great movie or a great painting or anything, it seeks to tell us the truth about ourselves. And great art works when it's honest and it's truthful. Right. When it's no false, when it's no phony. And that's what I try to do. If, if, there's, if there's any method to what I do, I think that's it. I just stood up. And try to tell you the truth. Yeah. And, and all great comedians I think do that. Yeah, people I mean, like Bill Burr and people like Jim Jeffries, they tell their own truth and mm-hmm. it's compelling because they, they show us they show us the real selves. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. Because I think as a species we're just a shower of nosy bastards anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean <laughs> I mean it, when you when you put it like that, it is you know there's so many different we talk about in this podcast we talk a lot about communication how we communicate with each other and, and sometimes your verbal communication is it'd be easy for somebody to try and pretend who they are but if somebody else picks up on that they're just they're it's, just you're just it doesn't resonate
1: right your your communication your vocal communication is only a small percent. 99% of your communication is non-verbal. Mm-hmm. Your body language, standing on a stage. People know if you're terrified. People know if you're tense. They know if you're fearful or whatever. They can see it. Your body gives you away. And, and if you're speaking to somebody and they're lying to you, you you're not sure, but you kind of think, I'm not quite connected with this person. I think they're bullshitting me here. Mm-hmm. You might not be able to put your finger on it, but you can feel it. Mm-hmm. And you know when people are lying or being insincere or they're full of shit, you know it. I, I know
0: it. Yeah. And if you've got an audience and they all collectively start to know, it, that's going to have a huge impact on whether your set's going to land or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because one of the jokes I've started doing, it's quite a good joke, is I start on a stage and I go, I've been in the entertainment business now for 30 years, ladies and gentlemen, and 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 by that by this time you would think he's easily been involved in some sort of sex scandal. <laughs> but trust me, I've never been me too I've been me neither. So if you shagged him, no, me neither. So <laughs> that's Aye. so that's who I am. And, <laughs> you you, know you, and, I mean?
0: and if you does that drop any airs and grace? Do you get that in as early as you possibly can to show? Well, I mean to show the vulnerability of yourself, which opens the rest of the room up to make them relax. I don't know; about... it just
1: fits. That. I mean, yeah, but. It's stand-up comedy is a confidence trick. Mm-hmm. It's it's just about you. As as I said in the, uh, I, I often say this as I said in the other podcast. You, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and when you're on stage, you've got to be as relaxed as you can possibly be. And it's very difficult because your fight or flight's been triggered mm-hmm. just naturally by the position you've put yourself in. So the the, the real that's a real challenge mm-hmm. to stand up on stage and be so laid back and relaxed that it just flows.
0: Well. Wow. I mean it, that's the key. And I, I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds very easy. But for somebody, you know, even. You know, this is one of the reasons for the podcast. Is if people can listen to something like this and take any kind of nibbles away from it, you're a you're a person who stands in front of people and speaks, which is which comes naturally now, and, and you're obviously going to have your own nervousness and stuff like that still. But for some people, even standing in front of a group of tourists on a walking tour would be terrifying for them. So, how? how... It's because it's because their ego forbids them mm-hmm. from being real.
1: That ego you, You've you got to absolutely Destroy Your ego And by the way That very notion Is in itself Fucking ego mm-hmm. your, your ego's the problem Your ego's no your friend I think Frankie Bell said that to me years ago Your ego's not your friend It doesn't help you mm-hmm. You just become some Big prick You know what I mean <laughs> Oh look at me and the big I am and bully big boys—you just become a prick. You've got to, you've got to kill your ego. Have
0: you? You've got to be honest. Do you, Do you have to curtail your your language, your set, your voice? I
1: do when I'm on cruise ships.
0: Right. Well, this is what I was going to say. For the types of, for the types of, I mean, you know, you know, the big thing is the Scottish comedian has a distinct way, and sometimes even just the way that you tell a joke with the Scottish accent, and you've got that Scottish accent uh, that that makes the makes the joke funnier. But if you're doing the set, if you do a set saying, I don't know, Airdrie in Scotland, would you be able to do the same set down in Leicester, down in England? Yeah. And would would you? Have you ever been asked to curtail your or to change the way that's said, or to try and change your your set? Yes. And and how did how did you feel about that when that's been asked of you? I ignore the fuckers, and do what I want. <laughs> Have you you mentioned about cruise ships then as well? Do you know then when you've got that audience there, it has to be changed slightly because of who yeah, the audience you are. You
1: can't swear to the any up the ass stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you've got to, you can't swear on these cruise ships.
0: Yeah. You can't yeah.
1: swear. You've got to be clean. You've got to work clean. Because I do the radio and all that, and you've got to be clean. Yeah. You can't You can't be on breaking the news and start doing a lot of the arse stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, law, there's laws against that.
0: I was just trying to think what I'm going to put in the write-up for this podcast episode. <laughs> 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 but I mean, it, yeah. when... when the, the, um, I've completely lost my train of thought now. Um, but when when you do get, I mean, when you've been asked, does that does that do you see that as an insult to your to your humour that if someone does ask you saying like you know Raymond we want no, this is a completely different nah, artist now no
1: nah. you see he who pays the paper calls the tune right yeah. see at the end of the day somebody will say to me can you do this can you do that and can you do the next thing and I'll go I'll think to myself. Can I do it? Mm-hmm. You see, if he wants 12 inches and I've only got five, mm-hmm. that's all he's getting. Mm-hmm. Right? So, do mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's whether, it's, it's one thing for you to ask me to do a certain thing.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: quite another whether I can actually accomplish that. Yeah, yeah. So, ultimately, you know, I'll, I'll compromise. I'll take this on board. But there's a part of me goes, can I do that? Yeah. And if I can, fine. And if I can't, then it'll be something else.
0: What what kind of gigs can you get? I mean, you're talking about cruise ship gigs. You're talking about walking tours. You know, do you do corporate? Do you do you? Are you, yeah. old, you corporate? And and will you go into a corporate gig? with a message that they've asked you to try and put forward or is it literally just, we're bringing Raymond Mairns in to, to cheer everybody up and, and make everybody laugh or what is it, have you ever been asked to form, uh, formulate a sort of a, a, a set for groups of people with a message at the end of it or anything like that?
1: Yeah. If you take me time, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It just depends. I, I get myself involved in all sorts of madness sometimes.
0: Mm.
1: And, um, but you know what? Somebody up there likes me. I, I, I'm <laughs> stop getting away with it. So <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. Some people will say, "Can you do this? Can you do it?" I'll go, yeah. If I can do it, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. I don't know. I, don't, off the top of my head, I remember doing a thing for that. Uh, advertising people. They, they were. They sold advertising. These guys, and I remember they wanted me a. I was what I did. They wanted me to host something mm-hmm. for them, and so I did a bit. Of, I don't know. I don't even remember what I did, but it went very well. I remember reading up about advertising. I can't remember.
0: Yeah. It was yeah. years
1: ago. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it's even like
0: even like your walking tour, you know, you're saying you, you, there's obviously a requirement there. You've got to. You've got to read up on Edinburgh's history, so you've got to Indeed. know. You've got to know what you're talking about a little bit there. One
1: hundred percent. You so, need to know all the dates and everything.
0: Yeah, and do you then do you, do you take funny anecdotes from those times? Have you found it, or do yeah. you know, is it more situational as it happens, or or is it a bit? It's of a, a bit, bit of mix of both. Yeah. It's a
1: bit of both. So, for instance, so you talk about the you talk about like, uh, I'll give you an example. So. The, Edinburgh used to vent all of its raw sewage into the sea, into the Firth of Forth by mm-hmm. eight big pipes, right up until nineteen seventy-seven. Just raw sewage. Mm. And by the way, I, I knew that because we used to live at Port Seton
0: right.
1: in the 70s. And you'd go for a swim, come out covered in jobbies and condoms. <laughs> and you would go, look, dad, a balloon, don't blow that up. Goosh, right? So so this is how I would say it. So I would say, so what happened was they then built a boat called the MV, the marine vessel Guardilu. Mm-hmm. And then they took on the Rossyage further out into the first or fourth, and and discharged it there, mm-hmm. and that's how Kirkcudbright was formed. <laughs> so that's, that's an example.
0: <laughs> I'm from Kirkcudbright. That's that's I'm, know deep, that, I'm deeply know. offended there. No, but uh, aye, well, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, so
1: there'll be stuff like that. So that there's there's some jokes in there, and then again it's the situation. Somebody might say something, and I'll just react to it. Yeah, to yeah. So it's a combination of the two.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, I- well, on to that then. You know, I think if you speak to most people and ask them what would the what would be the reasons for not doing stand-up comedy. And I think
1: reasons for not doing stand-up. Yeah,
0: and, I, and I think when you look, you know, the three things that a lot of people tend to worry about is hecklers, how would you deal with a a heckler? Um what happens if you the stuff you're saying isn't funny and you're getting a room full of silence. And then obviously <laughs> the the big dreaded fear for any public speaker is losing your place of thought or losing where you are. So I mean, if we start with hecklers then, I, I can imagine um, from just our conversation that we've had and with the way that you you seem to operate, a heckler would be up for um, a bit of competition if they came, came to you and heckled you.
1: Yes, yes. He would be, have to collect his arse on the way out the door. Yeah, yeah. There's your arse mate. And Goodbye.
0: <laughs> how 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 common actually are, are hecklers in in stand up comedy?
1: Hecklers are just frustrated comedians. Hecklers are people who come to comedy gigs and they look at you on stage and go, "I'm funnier than him. Mm-hmm. I can do that," and so they burst your hole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. And a lot of times, when when I do listen to some like the some laugh podcasts and things like that, they do talk a little bit about how it isn't actually as common. The, the what isn't hecklers? You know, a lot of the time, people are there to enjoy the comedy, and unless yeah, of course,
1: they they do exist. It's not yeah. that common. They, I mean, I kind of I don't really get a lot of hecklers generally. I think I look pretty formidable. Mm-hmm. People don't really fuck with me, <laughs> you know.
0: And do you think that's just because the way that your your comedy is? It, it you've already mentioned about the fact that you know you don't really have a, a you don't write stuff. It's it's maybe not as structured, which means that if something doesn't go well yeah, or, or can't something changes, me off, you kind uh,
1: of throw me off my, my my stride because I don't know what
0: I'm doing either. Yeah. Well. Okay. Then what about material not landing? Have you got? The, I mean, twenty years in comedy. You're, we're sitting here having a good old laugh, but I'm pretty sure there have been times when you've maybe said a joke and it's not landed or yeah. anything like that. You Dying your ass. You yeah. Dying your ass. How how difficult is that? I mean, what, what can you remember the first time that you had an absolute nightmare?
1: Yeah.
0: okay. I can remember every time. What was?
1: Thankfully, I don't die often, right? right? I don't. I'm I'm very hard to kill. <laughs> <thankfully>. <laughs> but every comedian has died on their ass, yeah. absolutely crashed and burned The good thing is, when you die, and people don't come near you, it's as if they don't want to be contaminated by your mediocrity. Hmm. So, <laughs> so the good thing is, they don't come near you. They don't. They don't want anything to with you. And on the way out at the door. they will
0: maybe shout, "Oh, pal, you're the worst fucking comedian I've ever seen." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you, you, let's let's go back. You're you're driving around in your company car around the country, and and is it a case of that? Some it, it, would it be would it, could it be regional? Where sometimes your comedy your comedy uh, absolutely goes down a treat, and then you can try the exact same set or the exact same style of set in someplace else, and it doesn't go well. And you wonder, is that yeah. just because those the people from that nah, area are the type of you're people you're that you're basically
1: I, no, look, like, you just do your thing at this. I mean, I've done gigs in the Middle East. I've done gigs in Asia, Australia, America. Yeah. I, it's just you doing your thing. I don't. I mean, if I was talking about my street, I don't know, and maybe they wouldn't again. it. I, I don't. No. I don't know that I. I don't know. That I can answer that other than. You go up and you do your thing and if you give a wee bit of yourself it kind of works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then again, I don't really write material so mm-hmm. I I suppose you know, now that I'm thinking about it I just live in the moment. I'm mm-hmm. very kind of present, like I said earlier and whatever happening at that moment is happening and I just do it.
0: I mean David Martindale uh, was on the podcast and he talked about intuition and he intuition. said intuition when speaking to people and he said that you know he talked about how he's gone from a a career in organized crime to a life in prison and then to a, a life as a scottish premier league football manager and he says that you know when you're going through and speaking to different people you need that intuition he's, he's had a good intuition to know i can say this or i can't say that or this is how i can speak to somebody yeah. do you need to yeah. because you, you don't have a, a set written set as such you know it's not it's not got the f- framework around it. would you have certain material that if you try it out that went well so I could go into this material or would you and use your intuition on the audience or the people who are in the crowd that you'd be that you're speaking to? Yeah yeah I mean okay
1: mm-hmm. again, again it, for me it's situational it's, it's in that moment so. Yeah, I would feed off. I've I've got material. I would always do, Mm -hmm. and I would do that. And I know the stuff that works. And then occasionally something would happen, or where I would be, and I would pick on something else. So it's a combination of the two, really. I think Mm -hmm. for me, Mm -hmm.
0: and uh, the resilience that you need to build up. I mean, for a lot of you've you've done it for twenty years. Okay. You've, you've been in the comedy business so you'll have seen so many different comedians coming and going and yeah. uh, you, you know do you get leaned upon as a, a sort of sage wise person in the scottish comedy circuit where people can come to you for for advice and speak to you i think so yes i think so although
1: <clears throat> yeah I, but the answer to that is yes yeah. Aye, the answer to that is yes and if if, if people ask for my advice or something, I'll normally give it. And if you have a question or something,
0: what kind of is there anything pop? You know, is there any current theme or is there a theme that kind of continuously runs through for people that maybe ask you questions when they're starting out or coming through or are younger in comedy?
1: Yeah, they, these. I think they need a bit of validation sometimes. Sometimes people will go, have, "Have you seen me? What did you think?" and and, and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I'll give my my personal assessment. But for me, I always say, if you just tell the truth, try and find what works for you. It's called finding your voice, really. Mm-hmm. You need to find your own way, your own voice. And that comes from the truth you tell and, and about who you really are. And, it, and then it'll resonate with an audience. So that's generally where I would, anything else, that's generally what I would, my advice I would give to people. And just, just, just do it. The, mm-hmm. the Nike sign. Remember the Nike advert? Just do it. Just do it. Just do it, just do it man. Oh, but this may to them. But just do it. Fill with a load of push. You can give yourself a thousand reasons why not to do something. Mm-hmm. Just do it. And then this is the way to find out. You know anything in life? I wonder if I could do that. Well, do it then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but walls full of people going. I'm a better comedian than him. I'm a better singer than him. I'm there. Well, good fucking do it then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean it's that it the resilience, isn't it? It's back bouncing back because there'll be plenty, as you said, you 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 can remember all the the sort of n- nights or days where you've you've died, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, it's it's I mean bouncing back from that. Was there ever a time when you've gone? Uh, this isn't for me. Well, you've already mentioned about the you know when you when you. St- you know, told uh, your agent and told people who are booking you that it wasn't. But was there a time when you've got back into the car after a gig and gone, I can't, you know, that that how did that not nah, work? No, nah. You've always had because that. Because I've got nowhere else to go. I'm home, man. It's yeah. me.
1: I've got nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. I've,
0: I've got any alternative. Yeah. I'm home. But when you, and then with regards to like the younger comedians or other newer comedians coming through, have you seen a situation where people have come to you and said, "Ah, Raymond, I, I've, this isn't working for me. I'm, I can't seem, to, you know, taking an early knockback." Because the interesting part of it is, is the vulnerability side of things, and I think if you if you put yourself in a position where you, you're literally are being judged on on what you're do you doing, you know what? Look, I
1: think the situation retires you. I, I'll put it another way. Right? See, the end of the day, I, I think there comes a point where you do it. And if you do it and it's very clear mm-hmm. that you're no very good at it, you the feedback is immediate. See, mm-hmm. for an audience, See, you might be you might be a shite novelist and then somebody reads your novel, but you're no know there when they're reading it. Mm-hmm. So they go, that's shite. And you might be a painter and the painting's rubbish. It's in a gallery and people go, that's shite, but you're no there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a comedian. You're there. Mm-hmm. The feedback <laughs> is immediate, yeah. right? And it's no so nice when you die in your ass.
0: <laughs> no, I can imagine.
1: <laughs> I think I said in the other podcast, and, and I think I read this in a David Mamet book, True and False, it says that the lessons of the stage are immediate and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Yeah. And see at the end of the day, <clears throat> you don't retire for comedy. It retires you.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: It's like a boxer that's been scalped too many times, mm. it retires you.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I believe that. That's what I've seen, and I've, i i have known over, over the course of my life, my career. I've, so I've been doing it thirty years. I've been a pro for twenty years. Yeah. right' I've, I've, I've known people who, back in the day, were really good making a living, and then it just the business retires you. you get in the eyes, the wheels turn the hamsters fucking need
0: what what could cause that
1: what causes it yeah <laughs> their ego they think they're better than they are they stop working they get better instead of getting better
0: yeah that's interesting
1: their ego their ego their head's disappeared right up their ass
0: yeah and how, how do you how do you is there a way of practicing not to let that happen Is there a way that you try to keep current and also, I mean, even like you said earlier, right at the start, you know, avoiding, especially in today's current climate, avoiding being cancelled. I mean, it it must be a a tricky (laughs) tightrope to to walk sometimes. Uh, I I
1: don't know. I just do it. I I can only control my reaction to it. I can only go on stage and do my best. That's Mm the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. To me, it's very simple. I think people fail because they complicate their lives to the point of dysfunction. It's very simple: stand up, talk into the mic, and be funny. Yeah. yeah. If you can't be funny, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Try again.
0: <laughs> it's really simple. Just keep it simple. Yeah. On your actor, I mean, you mentioned earlier on that you would worked with Ken Loach as a director, which is, you know, for some actors and actresses around the, the you know, in the world, that would be a huge achievement to be able to do. What? When you're, when you're dealing with some, someone like him, what, what was it like working with him on set as an actor?
1: It was awesome. It was awesome. What would happen is you turn up, he shoots in sequence, so you don't see a full script. So you'd be in your hotel, and then you would get an envelope through the door the night before, mm-hmm. and then you would get to set the next day. Be, so you've, you've been given a page or two pages of script, and Ken will go, morning, Raymond, did you get your script? Yes, mm-hmm. Ken. Did you read it? Yes, Ken. Have you learned it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he says, good, forget it. Aye. Just go from there to there any way you like. And it's brilliant. Yeah. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> and do you think he sees, I mean, uh, for, for, I mean, you've done other acting jobs, you've worked with other directors and stuff like that. How, how hard is it to, to memorise a script and then also convey the script in a way that someone else has written it to be conveyed and when you might think, I don't think that would work very well. I don't know. I just, I just
1: say the words on the page, mm-hmm. and if you ask me to do it twice, <laughs> I'll not be able to do it the same way.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's like am a terrible
1: then. actor, so it's just lines on a page, and you have to listen to another actor. You listen to him, and then you just answer him, or you say whatever it is, and I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. and I've not got a clue. I don't know. I mean, do you think when you... I never, when you when, I never trained as an actor, so I don't know.
0: I mean, do you think when you say that you're not a terrible actor, I mean, I think you, you, you can't be a terrible actor but have the career that you've had, but in terms of... No,
1: I'm, 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 the, I'm the best fat guy in my price bracket. <laughs> 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 I, get, I get acting jobs because I look for a fat guy.
0: So...
1: <laughs> It's as simple as that. If they were looking for a six feet black guy, I wouldn't really be in with a chance
0: no, there. No. And do you think, do you think that you'll just do it as you would do it? Is that is that the way that you act? Then you would just, if this is, if you've been cast as a person that they're looking for, and they'll say right, and yeah. even Ken Loach is saying, you know, yes. So you're, you're reading the script and understanding what's actually supposed to be happening in this scene, and then he's saying right, forget about it, but do it the way that you would just naturally do it. Is that kind of how? You, yeah.
1: Yes. You see, you get the job because they go, you're the guy. Mm-hmm. That's how you get the job. So you get a job because you're the guy. You're a safe pair of horns. And this is, again, this is going back to David Mamet. People people employ actors the mm-hmm. same way they'd employ a plumber. Mm-hmm. Because that plumber any good. Aye, good, we'll get him in. Right. Yeah, um, is he a good plumber? No, he's a terrible plumber. Uh, we'll get another a plumber. Get a good plumber. This, you're a safe pair of horns. People go, can you do that? Aye, fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's as simple as that they're buying
1: r- confidence
0: I think yeah okay hey, wait, going back you mentioned a couple of times about some of the, the books that you've read and things like that you've said you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a reader and things as well yeah you, what, where, what do you read and where do you take, what, what do you take from books that, you're, that you'd like to pass on you've mentioned you've already quoted a few quotes and things like that
1: well it, it depends I mean I read a lot of books I read a lot of different books I read a lot of fiction I read a lot of biographies I read a lot of history um, I just recently read a bit of just reading, the last days of John Lennon. Mm-hmm. So it was written by what's his name, Patterson, James Patterson. You know, the, he's famous novelist. Right. And it was very good, and it just so and it's about inside the mind really of Chapman, Mark Chapman, who killed him. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting, but I just read. I'm interested in what makes people tick because I'm interested in what makes me tick. I suppose, so you could learn something from everything, yeah. regardless of what it is you're reading. I think I've only maybe once or twice in my life I've started reading a book and went, "This is bollocks," and I've binned it. Mm. It shouldn't happen to a vet or is it like, old oh, creatures great and small? James Herriot, fucking load of shite. <laughs> Remember, I binned That was shit.
0: Aye. But and I
1: tried to read Papillon twice and I left one book on a plane and left another one in the hotel room. I've never finished
0: it. Really? So what is it yeah. you're looking, and you're, you're saying you want, are you wanting to find out how you tick or you want to find common, common ground with other people who are, you know, who, who do these things? And I mean, you're obviously not yeah, wanting to find common interest. ground with Chapman or anything like that, but yeah. Well,
1: look, I'm just interested in people. I'm just interested mm-hmm. in, like I say, is what makes them tick and what makes me tick. And that's all. It's a curiousness. I've got a, a curiosity mm-hmm. that
0: has always been there.
1: I'm curious.
0: with mm-hmm. tough. Being a people person, do you think?
1: I'm no a people person.
0: But you're curious in people.
1: <laughs> but I'm not a people person. <laughs> right, okay. But, <clears throat> um, about, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. But I would never describe myself as a people person. And people who know me would never describe me as that. Why not? i a bit of miserable bastard. <laughs>
0: But I mean, you'll need to be a people person if you can stand in front of a, a, a group of people to be able to relate to them and, and make them laugh. No, and no, no! You them. just
1: need to be an egotistical
0: megalomaniac. <laughs> when you look at engagement, then you know the how much you said earlier on about you know what we're what we're saying verbally versus what we say non-verbally and things like that. Yep. How do you know when you've got that full engagement from somebody when you're when you're speaking to them? What are you looking for? Are you when you're standing in front of an audience? What are the signs that you think I've got? I've got them here. This is exactly where I need they're,
1: them. They're laughing. <laughs> they're laughing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a feeling. It's a vibe. Mm. It's like when it's just like when you have a conversation with somebody. It's like the two of us here. Mm-hmm. We're listening to each other. Right. There's a vibe, there's a bit of a connection. So sometimes you'll meet somebody and you just won't connect because they're guarded or they're hiding something. Mm. It's just, it's a vibe really, I don't know. Morphic resonance, you know, there's bollocks in it. Mm. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> I, 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 five five minutes. Like, I mean, for anyone starting out, that's that's usually the starting point, isn't it? A five minute set. Yeah. And if it get... goes badly, it's like a week in a jail, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when it comes to uh, the uh, building that rapport with an audience, how how do you do that so quickly?
1: You've got to just relax and tell the truth, and people mm-hmm. can see that you're doing that. Okay. If they can, people sense this. It's, again, it's about resonance. People can sense when you're not giving yourself to them. They can sense it. They know it. Yeah. They don't know they know it, but they go, I can't quite put my finger on this. I'm just not connecting with this person.
0: Mm. Okay. So
1: you've just got to be yourself. And unless you're a weirdo or something, or you're mental or something, because you you meet people who they're being themselves, and you go, oof. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's fucking mental. Right? <laughs> so that's, but that's fine. So I, I you, you just, you've got a certain amount of empathy in you, haven't you? And you just yeah. go, this is my story. I want to, I want, I'm, I'm laughing at myself really. So mm-hmm. and laughing at myself, I'm giving you permission to laugh at me and to laugh at yourself as well. And it's like I say earlier, I'll say, I'll talk about something that happened to me that most people would never admit.
0: Mm-hmm. But,
1: like you maybe shat your brakes in a parked forge or something. I don't know. Right? And then people go, oh, that's funny. Thank God. I thought it was just me. It's because people are, always, people are walking about with their guilt, their shame, their mm-hmm. humiliation, their embarrassment. They've all got these feelings, feelings of vulnerability and inadequacy. And we, we're, we're sort of conditioned not to really let any of that out, to, to hide all that, mm-hmm. to put a veneer over it all and just be normal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's kind of missing in some people's lives. Certainly, people that come and see me, and they go, he's mental. But somebody said to me once, <clears throat> I says, I think I'm mental. He says, I be here, but you're mental in a good way. Mm. I don't know what that means. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> but I think there was, uh, I think it was Will Starr talked about characters uh, in a story, when you're telling a story. And everybody needs to be the main character of their own story. So the biggest problem you have is when somebody tells you a story where they're the hero, and the main, like, you know, if I'm sitting here telling you how great it was when I did this and how great it was when I did that, then then your audience straight away switches off. So so by by, by switching it and then telling them being self-deprecating, does that then create that suddenly then in their mind, they're like either...
1: Yeah, you see, nobody, nobody ever watched a film about a handsome man that married well and had great kids and was very successful and died in his bed at a hundred peacefully mm-hmm. in the loving bosom of his family. Nobody's watching the fall like on that. That's shite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They want horror and murder and dysfunction. Yeah, that's fascinating.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's real. It is okay. Well, I'm going to be interested to hear this. We tend to ask people uh, on the show on the on the on the podcast here what three things, three fundamentals for communication. Would you are any tips or advice? Three things that you put down to communicating truth, right?
1: Go tell the truth so, truth, honesty. Um, I, um, I, that's the first one mm-hmm. to mayor, yeah. Know what you're talking about, I suppose. Knowledge of what you're talking about, um and do you know what the, the ability to listen
0: right okay two
1: years one moved. yeah listening listening I would put that first
0: so listening truth and know what you're talking about
1: yeah
0: I think that that makes a lot of sense there
1: but I but I've I've no heard a word you said, and I've no got a fucking clue what I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, it's been you know, it's been it's been a fascinating episode of this. I've really enjoyed uh, listening to you. And I think this is, if I've been honest, this is exactly why. When I, as soon as I heard you uh, on on the some laugh, and I, I do say people give the guys a some laugh podcast to listen to because it's fantastic. Uh, but are, are you are you coming up to doing Edinburgh Festival this this year?
1: I am. The, my my I am doing my main show in the Beehive at seven p.m. every night. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a walking tour on Sundays through to Thursdays. I'm doing a walking tour at 2.15 Sundays through to Thursdays. So well.
0: how, how, every night... And you the... can
1: you can find the links for those. Well, they're, they're up on the Ed, Edinburgh Fringe yeah. website. Just
0: but Google my name. I'll stick some links in there. I'll stick some links in the, cool. links in the, the bio this. But just just very quickly, sorry, on that, the Edinburgh... I mean, how many Edinburgh festivals have you done in your career? Um, About...
1: Fifteen, maybe sixteen, something like that. Okay. I don't I didn't do it every year. I've done it every year since twenty twelve, apart for the COVID year. Mm-hmm. Um so twenty eleven actually. Um and then I I just did the odd year. Mm-hmm. I mean when I when I when I was still working, I remember all the people from my work turned up mm-hmm. and they sat in the front and just abused me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: fucking name. <laughs> and on that, if you do get people coming into your, uh, if you do get people that you know, is uh, Billy Connolly, uh, I read a book Billy Connolly had written, and he did say that it's one of his hates when he thinks. I hate when people I know from school or that grew up with me from school, or from when he from his younger days turn up at his. Yeah, shows. I don't like that. I don't no. like that. yeah no.
1: Because when you get them an ass rip and they fight with you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my brother-in-law years ago. He turned up and he sat in the front row and he started to heckle me. And i fucking destroy them. Really? And he never spoke to me for six months. But that shooting me because I thought he was an anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so every night at the festival. How many nights is that then? What? How many nights in total? Running, uh, is that? Twenty-five. Is it? It's how
1: twenty-five and twenty-six how, nights. Be a night half. I, I normally take the middle one day off.
0: How do you? How do you cope going through that? I mean, that must be emotionally yeah, I'm no and physically i have got a No, but that must be physically <laughs> Must be physically and emotionally draining Doing something Ach, like that Ah, No?
1: Pish Some people work for a living
0: Yeah, well, I suppose <laughs> when you put it like that, yeah and... Total pish <laughs> <And> you...
1: <laughs> it's a Scottish term It means I doubt the credulity of your statement <laughs> <laughs> Absolute I... pish I... I love it I mean, it's an f- amazing way to make a living. It's brilliant. Yeah,
0: when you when you when you get into the Edinburgh Festival, then have you seen a big difference from year to year? That your st- is it starting to? Are you seeing difference in audiences or difference in performers coming through, or is it still very much similar to how it was when you first started?
1: Oh, it's it's not. It's better. I always fill my rooms. I always fill mm-hmm. my my venue when I first started. Oh make turtons happen and he in his ass in front of four people.
0: Mm-hmm. You no, know,
1: I've, I've seen to have I've flung enough mud at the wall and some of it stuck. I seem to have found a wee bit of profile, which is wow. lovely.
0: No, well, if you uh, if you get a chance and I'll definitely stick the links in the bio to this podcast. So if you do get a chance to go and see and do one of the walking tours, I think I might pop along for a walking tour. Yeah, to That'd be brilliant. Be
1: good That'd to great. have
0: you. No, listen, Raymond, thank you so much for coming on. It's been... Oh, it's been fantastic uh, to, to hear to hear your insight. And as I say, exactly what I w- I'd hoped for as well, to, to get this insight into communicating. Thank you very much for yeah,
1: that. Yeah, by the way, I'm nobody's life coach, all right? No. <laughs>
0: no, that's quite all right. <laughs> What's
1: that word i saying? I've not got a fucking clue. Brilliant. Graham. thanks Cheers. very much for having me.
0: Thanks, Raymond. Thank
1: you.